Hey, we are so thankful that you're taking the time to tune into Grumwatt Church's podcast. It's our hope that this is an encouragement to you as you draw closer to Jesus. If you'd like to find out more about all things Grumwatt or for more info on our in-person gatherings, you can check us out at grumwatt.com. Now lean in. We're expectant for how God is going to use this time to speak to you today. Yes, as that video just said, another Sunday will be here soon. And it just so happens that the next Sunday that we'll be gathering together, whether it's in this building, online, will indeed be Easter Sunday. Sort of a big deal around here. Uh, If you're new to this whole church thing, you have a bit of a spoiler alert for you right now. He doesn't stay dead. And that is what we get to celebrate next week. Uh, And with Easter exactly one week away, it means that we, as followers of Jesus, have some very low-hanging fruit sitting in front of us. Yes, we have an opportunity and a responsibility that lies ahead of us this week, to, to ask ourselves whom has God strategically placed in our lives to invite with us this Easter to hear the life-changing, eternity-transforming message of Jesus. Now, if you were here about a month ago, uh, you might recall completing something that we do on an annual basis, our annual church-wide survey. And while we as a church, we're ahead of the curve in a, in a number of those areas that we just saw listed in that video, uh, we're not so far ahead that we should necessarily be patting ourselves on the back. I have a couple of quick stats that I'd like to share with you in relation to that church-wide survey. Uh, 58.7%, how's that for precise? 58.7% of our adult attendance is under the age of 45. Now, don't, don't take that the wrong way. If you're over the age of 45, it's not like we don't appreciate you. But as we all know, if you're not reaching young people, uh, you're dying. And so we're pretty enthusiastic and excited about the fact that, the fact that over half of our church, again, is under the age of 45. Uh, 38% of our growth, uh, there's new people that come walking through our doors every single week. 38% of that growth is what we call new conversion growth. What what that means, let me translate that for us, is that 38% of the new people that come walking through our doors never attended church anywhere else before this. Like this is literally their first time church experience. Now again, let me throw a quick footnote on that. Uh, This doesn't mean that if you used to go to a different church, we're we're, we're mad that you're here. In fact, we we celebrate that you're here as well, but what we want to encourage you with is make that move from just an attendance to an owner very, very quickly. Get in on the action. Be a part of what God is doing in the local church. And again, if that does describe you, you started showing up to Grumlaw and you really don't have any history of attending a church previously, we are so glad that you are here. We, in fact, created this church for people just like you. Uh, Roughly half of this church Uh, You have started spending daily time with Jesus since you began to attend this church. That's a really, really good thing because we say it all the time around here. It is the single most important habit that you could possibly develop in your life, that daily encounter, that daily time spent with Jesus. Uh, Almost an equal percentage, again, about half of you have personally invited someone to come sit with you on a Sunday since attending this church. Again, uh, we'd like to see that get to like 100%, but we'll celebrate that almost half of you are doing that because, again, that's still well ahead of the national average. Again, really, really good thing, and it leads me to this point, which is really kind of the driving point of this message and what that video that we just watched was, was getting at. That the number one reason people lean into this conversation surrounding Jesus is because someone told them about Jesus. The, the, the reason new people come walking through our doors each and every Sunday is largely due to people like you opening up your mouths and extending an invitation. As a church, hopefully this isn't news to you, uh, we do have a marketing budget. 
Uh, we spend a pretty significant chunk of change on things like billboards and social media and yard signs and our website and search ads and free t-shirts and Christmas light shows and community movie nights on mailers. And, and that church-wide survey certainly confirmed that all of that stuff has definitely brought people walking through our doors. Some of you, in fact, who are watching right now are a testament to that. But, but you want to know what, what has been our most effective marketing strategy? You, you, the, the people who are watching right now, who are listening right now, the, the statistic that I have long touted is the number one reason people don't come to church it is because they were never invited. Church, that is still 100% true. Not, not even a pandemic has changed that. It, it is as true as it ever was. Our, our most effective marketing ideas to, to get the word out about Grumlaw, again, according to that survey, are actually billboards and, and social media. Uh, but combined, those billboards and social media, that, that accounts for why 14.6% of you decided to come walking through our doors, again, according to that survey. Uh, whereas a personal invitation, 60%. So, so billboards and social media, 14.6%. Personal invitation, 60%. Far and away, the number one reason and, and what is most effective for reaching this community, which means... If we're going to continue to see this church grow, and that's not something that, you know, we're trying to elevate into this unhealthy area, but, but far more importantly, if we want to see the kingdom of God grow, if we want to see lives and eternities transformed in this community that we live, friends, family, neighbors, coworkers, it's going to happen because the people in this church who claim Christ get real serious about sharing Jesus with the people whom God has strategically placed in front of us, with the people whom God has strategically placed in our lives. Now, now what's interesting is I've been a part of a lot of church environments uh, where this topic has been spoken on that we're touching on here this morning. In fact, it's probably one of the most popular for people like me that do what I do for a living, pastors. And yet, what's kind of curious, uh, there's never been a single instance where, at least to my knowledge, a Christian or, or a non-Christian for that matter, has been opposed to what is being presented this morning, which is a little unusual because virtually every single Sunday, there's at least a handful of people that are like, ah, oh, Shay, I, I don't know about that. That just didn't really sit well with me. But, but never have I heard someone share the sentiment that, hey, you need to share your faith. You need to share Jesus with others only to have somebody else say, well, I don't agree with that. Now, I think that's actually something you should keep to yourself. I've never heard that. Even those of you who are just exploring, maybe you're even a little bit skeptical of all this. I think you agree on this point. If Jesus is truly our Savior who died for our sins, and then he rose from the grave and now gives us an opportunity to be made right with God by trusting in him, you're like, yeah, if that's all true, you should probably tell people about that. In fact, it's actually in that vein that one of the most sobering quotes I've ever heard comes to mind from a guy by the name of Penn Jillette. Uh, his name might ring a bell because he's of the comedic magician duo Penn and Teller. And keep in mind, he is a staunch, staunch atheist. He, he said this, he says, how much do you have to hate somebody to believe everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? I want you to allow that to kind of sink in for a second. Uh, he has been quite outspoken speaking to this point that, that he says one of the primary reasons that he doesn't believe in Jesus and that Jesus holds the keys to everlasting life, he's like, if that was true, I just feel like Christians would be telling me about that all the time. He, here's the point. Everyone agrees, even atheists, 
that if you believe in Jesus, you should definitely tell other people about him. So as that video that we just watched points out, as our own survey has revealed, as our own lives have demonstrated to us, why aren't we all? Why doesn't every Jesus follower do this on a more regular basis? Why aren't we all sharing Jesus with the people around us on a more regular basis? I don't think it's all that complicated, and yeah, I'm about to answer my own rhetorical question. In some way, shape, or form, I think it comes down to fear. Maybe it's a fear of not having the right answers, fear of how we may be perceived by the person that we're talking to, fear of how we might be labeled moving forward, fear of it not going particularly well. At its root, in some way, shape, or form, it's, it's fear. And so with that thought in mind, tuck that away, I, I want to draw our attention to some of Jesus' final words during his time on earth. Now, shortly after Jesus shares this teaching with his disciples, his 12 closest friends, he'll be wrongly accused, arrested, and murdered on a cross, but I'm kind of getting ahead of myself there. We're going to talk about that next week. That's Easter talk. And before we dive into this particular teaching, I want to throw this disclaimer out there, and you're all smart people, so you've probably already picked up on this, that this is largely a conversation this morning for the follower of Jesus. And I'm certainly not going to make the assumption that every single person watching right now is, is there, that you would call yourself a, a Christian. So some of you, you're, you're just starting to explore. Admittedly, you might be a little bit skeptical. So some of you were basically bribed into watching this, into listening to this today, and honestly, you can't just kind of wait for it to get over. And, and I just want to say, I am so glad that you're listening, that you're leaning into this right now. I'm not even telling you that you have to embrace everything that I'm going to present this morning. I invite you to belong before you believe. I'm inviting you to lean into this conversation that we're having today because it's a really, really important one for anyone who's even considering following Jesus. You actually have an opportunity this morning to, to get a behind-the-scenes picture into one of the most intimate ways that the God that we worship here on Sunday mornings interacts with his followers. One of the most practical ways that he invites us, mere mortals, to partner with him. So again, Jesus, he's about to get arrested, and, and, and things from that point on, they're about to move real quick. But before that, he makes a quick detour, and, and he sits his disciples down to offer one of his final teachings. Well, what a gift, by the way, that this has been preserved for us. And, and what a gift that we have the benefit of hindsight. We know the whirlwind that's about to ensue in the life of Jesus. His disciples didn't. And knowing what's about to happen to Jesus only makes these words, this teaching, that much more significant, that much more rich. Not just for the disciples, but for the generations of Jesus followers that were to come, including me, including you. So Jesus sits him down and he says, yes, I am the vine you are the branches. He says, those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, and this is kind of a drastic statement, right? He says, for apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, in order for us to understand uh, the, the heart of what Jesus is getting at right here, we have to understand what Jesus means when he refers to fruit. Because there's a temptation to completely miss what Jesus is saying here and misapply this verse to literally every situation in our lives, which, which only complicates what is actually a pretty simple message. Uh, for instance, I, I've heard this passage taken wildly out of context and, and applied specifically to material wealth and possessions. 
That there's this idea that those who aren't following Jesus, they're, they're going to be unable to produce fruit. They're going to be unable to produce wealth. Apart from God, they will accomplish nothing. But, but what happens? You grow up, right? And, and you get past that Sunday school Jesus, and you kind of just take one quick glance around the world, and logically you think to yourself, well, <laughs> that's just not true. In fact, a lot of the most financially successful people on our planet, they don't claim Christ. I mean, Jeff Bezos, he doesn't seem to have much Jesus in his life, but he seems to have a whole lot of fruit. Now, when Jesus refers to fruit here and in many other teachings, this is a popular one for him. And keep in mind, he's making some assumptions. Remember, his disciples at this point have had the benefit of spending virtually every waking moment with him for three years. That they knew the fruit he was referencing. And he's referring to, to spiritual fruit. In Paul's letter to the early Christian church in Galatia, uh, we're given a list of what this fruit might look like. He says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and, and self-control. Now, now, whether you would call yourself a Christian or, or you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, we all would like our lives to be defined by characteristics, by fruits such as this right here, this list. And a sobering reality that unfortunately not all people come to terms with is that left to our own devices, we cannot maintain any of these traits long-term in our own ability, right? Like this isn't anything that you can keep on just, just by trying hard. It's why Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. You cannot pull this off, sustain this long-term on your own. I've made this joke many, many times before, but it's honestly true of all of us. Uh, see, the, the Bible, according to the life of Shea Prisk, would read something entirely different. It, it would say, but Shea Prisk produces this kind of fruit in his life. Hate, bitterness, anger, impatience, jealousy, harshness, agitation, and, and a loss of control. Left to my own devices, my self-absorbed, sinful nature, th this is the type of fruit that is, that is consistently produced in my life. It's only through a relationship with Jesus and a day-by-day, moment-by-moment dependence on the Holy Spirit that, that this other fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, is consistently and regularly produced in my life. And, and come on, isn't it true that, that your life has shown you as much as well? That, that this fruit that, that again... We all agree is best for us and the people around us. You don't need to be a Christian for us to see eye to eye on that particular point. We want our spouses to have more of this. We want our bosses to have more of this. Our customers to have more of this. Our family to have more of this. Our friends, our neighbors to have more of this fruit. This is the stuff. This is the fruit that we all agree would make our lives and the lives around us better. And Jesus reminds us, he says, hey, when you stay connected with me, remember, I am the vine, you are simply the branches. This is the kind of fruit that I want to and will produce in you. But, but he says we have to actually be connected. See, you can't just show up to church a couple of times a month and, and expect this to happen. We need to develop what could actually be called a relationship. And, and within the context of that deep, that intimate, that real relationship, I promise you that I will produce this in you. Now, now believe it or not, 
This teaching actually gets better and it reaches deeper. See, when Jesus says fruit here, he's, he's not only talking about this fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, which is, which is really good fruit that, that I think we should all long for. He, he also had something else in mind, and, and this is going to be kind of where we land this plane this morning. Jesus, during the, the short amount of time that he spent on this earth, he, he was preparing these 12 guys, whom are often referred to as disciples, for a mission that... At the beginning stages, in those early days when he had just met them, it would have seemed utterly unthinkable. It honestly still seems completely implausible, even with the benefit of hindsight. So you see, as he was kind of recruiting these guys, he told them, he said, hey, come follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. Kind of weird, right? Like fish for people? It's like, what in the heck is this guy talking about? But they decide to follow anyway because they're good Jewish boys and he's a well-respected rabbi. And, and this would kind of be a bit of a theme during Jesus' three-year earthly ministry. Jesus saying stuff, Jesus teaching these disciples, and then them not really understanding at all. It's like, Peter, did you get that? He's like, no, not at all. We'll, we'll go ask him again. He's like, no, you go ask him. No, you go ask him. No, forget it. Maybe he'll explain it later. But, but, but then Jesus successfully predicts his own death and, and resurrection and the disciples, they're ready to take on the world. They're emboldened like never before. I mean, who wouldn't be? But, but then Jesus tells them he's leaving. In fact, he, he leaves it all. Everything that he has built during his time on earth in the hands of a bunch of nobodies, fishermen and tax collectors and tent makers. In fact, one of the final things that he would say to them is, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. Like, like that's a simple task baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. In other words, he's going, I am entrusting all of this to you, to you island of misfit toys. It rests on the shoulders of you 12 dudes to carry the message about me to the ends of the earth. See, he looks at him, he's like, hey, remember way back when, when we first met and I told you that I was going to teach you how to fish for people, and I saw the look on your face. You were so confused by that, and you just had, like, no idea what it meant, and they're all like, yeah, we remember that. See, guys, I wasn't talking about catching people with a hook or with a net, and they're like, yeah, we knew that, and he's like, no, you didn't, but that's okay. I knew it would eventually click, and then remember when I kept telling you over and over and over again that you were also going to produce a bunch of fruit. And again, you, you had like no idea what I was talking about. And they're like nodding their heads like, yeah, yeah, we remember that. And he's like, in all those times I was talking about producing fruit, I, I wasn't talking about literal farming. I, I was speaking and preparing you for the mission that I'm handing off to you right now. He, he says, as my followers, it is your responsibility to take the life-changing, eternity-transforming message of me out into this world. He's going, go fishing, produce fruit, multiply yourselves. But because of what I have done in you, I am now inviting you to play a role in doing that for others. You guys, the time has come. Go. And don't miss this. The only reason 
that these 12 guys didn't immediately collapse in fear. The only reason that they did not fall apart due to the weight of the task that lay ahead of them was because of something that Jesus continually reminded them of during his time on earth and then validated with his resurrection. He kept on beating this principle into their heads that remains just as vital for the follower of Jesus today. And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago during that series when we were taking a look at the life of Daniel. It doesn't rely on you. Ultimately, and thank goodness, you, me, we're not the gatekeepers to the destinies of the people around us. You are called to simply be a witness, to, to, to be available and stand on the ready to share your faith in Jesus with anyone and everyone whom God places in your life. But because ultimately it is God, it is the Holy Spirit who softens and turns hearts to him. We have to remember who goes before us, with us, and after us. And again, Jesus, all throughout his time on earth, he reminds us of as much. He tells these guys, he's like, hey, I want you to go make disciples of all the nations. They're like, my goodness, how are we going to pull that off? And he says, be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You're not going to be accomplishing this in your own abilities. In other words, it doesn't rely on you because the God of the universe, in this case, the Holy Spirit, is going to go before you. He lists up all these traits, right? The, what we traditionally call the fruit of the Spirit. These things that in our own ability, we can't produce consistently in our lives, but we forget the first part of that. He says the Holy Spirit produces. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Not you. God in Spirit is the one who produces this type of fruit. And it's precisely why Jesus, right before he's about to be nailed to a cross, and knows all too well that his followers are going to be scared to death. He takes the opportunity to remind them one more time of the great task that lay ahead. And even in the face of extraordinary circumstances being stacked against you, don't be scared. You have nothing to fear. Why? Because you disciples have just gotten so good at all of this? Because Jesus just trusts them now and, and they have what it takes? No. In fact, he actually says the complete opposite. He, he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. He says, yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus, in pretty blunt terms, he's, he's telling them, he's telling all of us, he's like, on your own, I can't even tell you how badly you will screw this up. But with me, with the God of the universe going before you, with you, and after you, he says, then you will produce much fruit. That there will be people fruit, who stand on the other side of eternity. People who are experiencing everlasting life with their heavenly Father who will point to you as the witness who pointed them to Jesus. 
He's going, you will play a role in winning people to me. You will be used for immeasurably more than you ever thought was possible. You will be a part of changing lives and eternities because of your connection to me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He says, if you keep that connection with me, there will be nothing that will be able to stop you. Jesus himself tells us that the very powers of hell won't stand a chance against you. You will produce much fruit. Now, one of the very, very practical ways that we live this out as a church community here at Grumlaw and that we talk about often is by asking ourselves a very, very simple question. Who's your one. Our challenge to this faith community is that every single one of you who would call yourself a follower of Jesus, who would call Grumlaw their church home, would have one person, exactly one, that you would be praying for every single day. You don't skip days. It is a part of your daily rhythm. It keeps you centered. You pray every single day for that individual until that person comes to know what it means to have a personal, a real, and intimate relationship with their resurrected Savior, a relationship with Jesus. So see, a message like this, like the one I'm given this morning, it can feel overwhelming, and I've been there. Because the truth is, is we all have a lot of people in our lives that, that if something doesn't change, they're going to spend eternity separated from God. But, but this morning, we're asking you to start with, with one. Who is that one person that you'll begin praying for every single day until they come to personally know Jesus as their Lord and Savior? I shared about this a couple of weeks ago that uh, I've been praying for my one now for, for almost four years. Uh, for most of those four years, that prayer sounded something like, God, just uh, I pray that that person's heart would soften and they would turn towards you. And I'm not saying that that's a bad prayer, but that prayer has definitely shifted a little bit. Where now I'm praying things more like, God, give me opportunities to meet needs for my one. Show me opportunities to serve my one. God, show me opportunities where I can then show them the love of Jesus. And then that will then lead to opportunities and conversations. Doors will be open to tell them very openly about you. Seize the opportunities that God drops in your lap as divine intervention rather than mere coincidences. As I try to remind us all the time, you don't have to have all the answers. You just need to share your side of the story. Just share about what God has been doing in your life. You're a witness. When you begin praying daily for that individual, it's hard not to see every interaction that you have with them as, what if today is the day that God produces some fruit? For some of you, this is absolutely terrifying. I will admit to you that even as your pastor, it is for me as well. But we need to recall the promise made to us over and over and over again from Jesus himself. And keep in mind, this is not an empty promise from some random guy, but, but, but the individual who successfully predicted his own death and resurrection, your Savior who gave his life for you. The God who has demonstrated his trust, who has demonstrated his faithfulness, he reminds us because he knew that we'd get scared. He says, remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. God has left 
his life-changing, eternity-transforming message in the hands of you, me, all of us. I, I say it this way all the time. We are plan A, and there is no plan B. In church, I want us to think about this. What a privilege that God allows us, mere mortals, to play a role in his redemptive plan for the world. Church, this isn't an I have to. This is an I get to. Rather than shrinking back in fear or being consumed with what ifs, let's remember who goes before us, with us, after us. Now, a very poignant reminder that this verse is pointing to is that we abide in or we remain in Christ in relationship. That's not built here on Sunday mornings alone, but more importantly, in that daily encounter. That, that, that daily time spent with Jesus, where the very first thing that you do every day is you pick up and you actually open up that book that we call the Bible and you allow God's word, his unchanging, always true word to penetrate your heart. You allow it to speak to you. You cry out to God in prayer and share honest feelings with him. That is where a relationship with Jesus is actually going to be built. I'm going to keep saying this till I'm blue in the face. It is the single most important habit that you could develop in your life. And it is the only way that you are going to remain in him and he will remain in you. Now, for those of you who are watching right now and you've yet to put your trust in Jesus, that, that, that's not a step that you've taken. But very candidly, I just want to ask you, what are you waiting for? Don't think it's an accident that you're watching, that you're listening to this right now. <laughs> you, in fact, sitting here and listening to this today might very well be the answer to years of prayers for you. You may just be the one, the answered prayer of someone who has been diligently and intentionally and specifically praying for you for literally at this point years. And I want to remind you that the God of the universe made the standard so simple. That the way that we are declared righteous, which is just kind of a big fancy way of saying the way you get that right standing back with God has nothing to do with what you've done. and has everything to do with what you believe. Do you believe in Jesus? And we are told that by trusting and putting our faith in Jesus, that just like that, we get that right standing back with him. It could be as simple as you right now bowing your head wherever you're at and saying, Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I have no ability to get it together on my own. But, but this morning here on April the 10th, I am choosing to put my trust in you. I believe in your son. I believe that your son created a way back to you. I believe that, that, that through the sacrifice of your son that, that I have been made white and pure and white as snow. I believe that my sins have been washed away. I believe that I am a child of God and from this day forward, I am choosing to live for you. And we're told that just like that, we're back. 
we get that right standing back. If you're watching right now and, and you did just say that prayer, I want to really, really, really encourage you to right now text GL Trust to 94,000 and follow those prompts. This isn't a journey that we're called to walk alone, but one that we are called to walk in community with other people. And, and by doing that, that'll just trigger one of our staff members to, to reach out to you and just figure out what is your next step here within the context of the local church. So you see, the God of the universe longs to be close to you, to have a relationship with you, and now he immediately invites you to play a role in his redemptive plan for the world. And so if you were in one of our in-person gatherings here today, uh, you would have been handed a, a little bookmark with this question on it, who's your one? And we're challenging those who are gathering in our physical gatherings to, to indicate that one on a bookmark and then come deposit one side of that as just kind of this symbolic gesture to say, yes, I'm taking this challenge. I'm going to begin praying every single day for this person. Uh, but if you're joining us here online, which you are, if you're listening to this, uh, I want to invite you right now to go to whosyourone.com. Very simple, whosyourone.com. And I would ask that you would prayerfully consider who is it? Who is God placing on your heart right now that you will begin to pray for every single day until that person comes to know what it means to have a real and intimate relationship with Jesus? And as a symbolic gesture to say, yes, I'm committing to do this, I want you to go to whosyourone.com and enter that person in. It's right there on the main page where you just enter that individual's name and just saying, yes, I am gonna to begin to pray for this person every single day until they come to know Jesus. God answers prayer. God, God listens to us when we speak to him. I believe that we are gonna to continue to see the kingdom of God grow in this community, in this nation, all across the world because his followers get really, really serious about being intentional with sharing their faith, about praying every single day for these individuals that if something doesn't change, they're gonna spend eternity separated from their creator. What a privilege that the God of the universe allows us to play a role in his redemptive plan for the world.